Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Six, four, What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast. For those of you that are listening for the first time, thank you. For those of you who have been patiently waiting for another episode, thank you for sticking around. I know, it's been a little bit of time since I've gotten an episode up. Life kind of comes at you fast. It gets around pretty quickly, and things kind of pile up, but you guys don't care about that stuff. Um, Pretty good Father's Day. Mine was pretty amazing. Hope yours was as well. The Braves seem to have gotten the memo. And yes, I know, they were playing some bad teams. Detroit, Colorado, there's a bad. But I think the biggest thing for me, and this is something that you could trace back really all the way to that Arizona series, the Braves often seems to have kicked it into high gear against right-handed pitching. If you guys remember from, from, from episodes, can't speak right now, from episodes earlier in the year and from the shows I've been doing on 680 The Fan, the Braves throughout much of this season were just terrible against right-handed pitching. A big part of that was because the lefties in the lineup, Lefty Ozzy, Eddie Rosario, Michael Harris, were re- – I don't want to say Matt Olson was struggling. It just – it's hard if the only lefty in your lineup that's giving you any production is a guy that's not – you know, who, who's going to be hitting 230. And I, and I know I, there's going to be a portion of the fan base that just got really mad that I mentioned batting average. Let me go ahead and – before we even go further, I'm going to go ahead and clarify this. Matt Olson is a fantastic player. I don't care that he hits 230. I don't care if he hits 240. He gets on base all the time, and he hits nukes. And that's that's what he's here to do. Yes, Freddie Freeman is incredible because he hits over 300, has you know 30, 30 home run type power, although I don't know if he's going to get to the 30 homer mark this year. He didn't last year for L.A., but he's got good power, and he might go 2020 this year as a first baseman. And Freddie is one of the best first basemen we've seen uh, in recent memory. Now, he's not on par with, like, you know, Albert or anybody like that, but of the current first baseman in baseball, Freddie is at the top of that chain. And I would say whatever you think about Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie is above Paul Goldschmidt, at least in my mind. Um, it, it's pretty close numbers-wise. So if you if you look at Matt Olson and you downgrade him because he's not going to hit the same way that Freddie does, I mean, you're, you're free to do that if you want to. I'm not going to tell you how to fan. I'm just going to say you're not going to be happy with anybody because there's not another first baseman who does things the way Freddie Freeman does. It's what makes Freddie so special. But Matt Olson is a very, very good player. Now, is has he been – I guess it kind of boils down to you got to have your expectations in line. Would I like him to hit 260, 270? Yeah. Do I think he's been, you know, slightly disappointing? I don't like saying disappointing – because he has been, you know, a good first baseman. Anytime you get a first baseman that's up over three war, like that, that's really, really good. Uh, is it, you know, the five, six war that you were hoping to see with Freddie? No. But even when they brought him in here, and I feel like I've, I've had this conversation a few times. I'm sure some of you guys are tired of this conversation. But for those of you that maybe are just tuning in for the first time, 
when the Braves brought in Matt Olson, it wasn't it wasn't with the expectation that he would be a better player than Freddie, particularly early in the contract. It was about the back end of that contract. It was about how is Freddie going to age? Do you want to pay twenty five to twenty eight million dollars a season for, you know, Freddie Freeman when he's thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, that type of stuff? How was he going to age? And Matt Olson being three or four years younger than Freddie would likely be better on the back end of that contract, or at least would be easier to predict on the back end of that contract. And if you're getting to, you know, twenty, twenty two million dollars for a first baseman, you at least want to be able to kind of count on production. I, basically, the easiest way to put this is they probably thought the floor was higher with Matt Olson, maybe just because it was kind of easier to guess. And seeing what Matt Olson had, had done in the season before, and he had had the best season of his career in 2021, you know, it's not that hard to see. Or 2021. Yeah, 2021. It's not that hard to see why. I mean, Matt Olson has been a really, really good first baseman for a long time now. My only issue with that, and again, we can call it an issue or or we can just call it what it is, and it's just the way that his style plays, it's not one that's going to carry you if he's your only left-handed bat. I don't want to say like he's a complimentary piece, but frankly, he kind of is on this team. Now, I don't think the Braves made the move for him expecting what you got in 2021 every single year. It was obviously an outlier for Matt Olson. His strikeouts were less than 17%. His walk rate was 13 Now, the, the walk rate is something that's going to remain steady. Right, right now, this season, he's at a career high. But the strikeout rate, that's a career low by a wide, wide margin. He ended up hitting 271, 371, 540 with a 147 WRC+. Plus. That was a 5F4 season. Then you go to his 2019, and that was a 4.1. Now, in that 2019, he hit 267, 351, 545. Now, that was actually the lowest walk rate of his career, uh, in kind of right in the middle of his strikeout rates. So that's kind of what I look at, is that I don't look at the 2021 and expect him to be that. that that's probably not in his games. Certainly not with the style that he has shown with the Braves. Like this season, he's running a 29% strikeout rate. That is, that's a very high strikeout rate. He offsets it, though, by having a 14.5% walk rate. He's hitting 233, 348, 502. He does have a 126 WRC plus. So I don't have an issue with Matt Olson. But if you're talking about, you know, facing off against a lot of right-handed pitching, and the Braves, the way that they're constructed, they need their lefties. They need they need their lefties to be able to kind of switch the lineup up a little bit. It's not and, and Ronald, for what it's worth, Ronald can hit righties or lefties. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and and. And Austin Riley, when he's actually right, can hit righties or lefties. But Austin hasn't really been right this year. And what, what's happening is when, you know, Ozzy and Eddie and Michael Harris aren't performing offensively, it puts a lot more pressure on the righties to be able to, you know, be good against a platoon disadvantage. And again, not saying they can't do it. But what we've seen here lately, and really I'd say since the month of June started, is you've seen... You've seen Eddie Rosario go on a big run. You've seen Michael Harris really break out of what was just an abysmal season for him. And you've seen Ozzy Albies crushing pitchers as a left-handed hitter. Now, he's been hitting for power left-handed all year. I believe he has 12 homers from the left side compared to five from the right. Now, part of that is because he's, I believe he's only had 79 plate appearances as a right-hander, uh, as a right-handed hitter this year. So, I mean, obviously, you're facing a lot more right-handed pitchers, or left right-handed pitchers than you face left-handed pitchers. Uh, but that was kind of a thing with the Braves. We saw this starting in Arizona, and it carried through for a bit, 
where teams were trying to only put in right-handed pitchers against the Braves because they were struggling so badly. That's not the case anymore. And again, Detroit and Colorado, they're bad teams. Their pitching is not good at all. So it's you don't want to just you know take everything and say, yep, we're fixed completely now. But you look at the swings that you're getting from, from Ozzie Albies, and I think part of it with Ozzie, and I was talking about this yesterday for 6-4-3, I, he, his walk rate is getting better. It's up over 6%, which for him is pretty good. But more importantly, it feels like he's, I don't want to say like taking more pitches, getting more walks, things like that. And yes, he's taken more slightly, but that's not the bigger thing here. He's being a little bit more selective, which is all I really ask for for Ozzy. Look, Ozzy is never going to be a guy that's going to take walks. He's never going to have a double-digit walk rate. That's just not his game. He's a guy that likes to put the bat on the ball. He's not a very patient hitter. He likes to swing the bat, and he likes to hit. He, he likes to hear that sound, and he likes to earn his way on base. And that's fine. I love that. Uh, walks are really good. You should take walks. But just the, you know, the player side of me, the, the person that you know, played a decent amount of baseball in my life, I, I know how I was. I hated walks. It, it, it kind of felt it was boring. I wanted to hit. I wanted to hit the ball. I wanted to you know, try to gap it, try to hit it over the wall. I, I wanted to, to kind of get that rush of hitting the ball. And Ozzy is so good with his barrel control that it's almost, a, it, it's almost a bad thing how good he is at controlling the barrel. Because when you pair up a guy who has incredible barrel control and no discipline, he's so good at making contact that he'll make contact with pitches he has no business making contact with, and it results in an easy out. Not quite like Javi Baez, who's going to swing and miss at everything. Like, Ozzy's not as bad as Javi Baez, but it can feel like that at times. And I feel like one of the things we've seen on this resurgence from Ozzy left-handed is he's not necessarily taking tons of pitches, but he's not just flailing away at everything either. Now, of course, he'll sometimes go and prove me wrong and you know go flailing at everything again or have those moments where pitcher walks a guy on four straight and Ozzy swings at the first pitch and pops one up. Sure, that'll happen. That's just, that's frustrating, sure, but that's just who he is. But what you're seeing is you're seeing him put great swings left-handed. This is something that I've never quite understood with why he's so bad left-handed. He's got a great swing. It's a beautiful swing. and I really think a lot of the issue can be traced to the free swinging abilities of Ozzy and that obviously he's better right-handed. That's his dominant hand. That's his dominant side of the plate, but he has a beautiful swing lefty. He's got, I think he has more power, more overall power left-handed than he does right-handed. It's just the, the discipline really ruins it. And it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good picture of, of how important discipline can be at the plate and how, how important that is to your overall success, especially when you look at other prospects. Now, obviously, there are guys that that just doesn't matter for. But what you're seeing with Ozzy now over this past month, he went from having the worst stretch he's ever had being a left-handed hitter to, I think this is probably the best run I've personally ever seen from Ozzy as a lefty. Now, again, needs to be said, not doing it against great pitchers. But still, he's crushing the ball left-handed. He's got himself moved up to second in the batting order, and Olsen now batting fifth. And I think that works out better if this is the type of Ozzy that you're going to get for any sustained run. I'd like to see Ozzy sustain this. We've seen this before where Ozzy's streaky. When he's on, he carries your team, and he, you, you can't get him out, and he drives in runs in absolute bunches. 
But then there will be times where he can't seem to hit anything, and that's because he kind of gets outside of himself and starts swinging at bad pitches. This is something that he can kind of add. We talked about Ronald, how much more mature he of an approach of a baseball player he's had this year. Ozzy's 26. It's not like he's an old guy either. And if he can kind of get to that same point, which was something that I kind of thought he might now that the whole leadership thing on the team is kind of Ozzy's to, to run with. Ozzy and I think Travis Darno is a big part of the leadership of this team. But especially for Ozzy, a chance for him to kind of establish himself and, and kind of take the reins of the team a little bit. Even though Ronald is the best player, a guy like Ozzy's is my my general thought is Ozzy's the perfect type of guy to, to lead your team. He gets along with everybody. He's one of the most fun and exciting guys. He speaks like five languages. He's not he he's kind of click immune. And that that's one of the things that I look for in a leader of my team. If he's able to sustain this, and I don't see why not, he's you know, he's having a good season now. He's hitting close to two seventy. He's, you know, seventeen homers. He he's providing a ton of pop. He might go forty home runs this year at this rate. If he can kind of keep this going and even be league average left-handed. I've mentioned this before. If Ozzy has like a 105, 107 WRC plus as a left-handed hitter this year, I don't think you're talking about Ozzy being like a top 10 second baseman. I think you're talking about him being like a legitimate MVP candidate. And I don't know if it'll be this year. He's going to have some stiff competition with Ronald Acuna. But certainly, you'd be looking at him and saying that's a top five second baseman. The defense was kind of trending down for him earlier, earlier in the year. And I've seen him... I've seen him miss more balls that hit him in the glove. I've seen him get hit in the heel of the glove more this year than I think I've ever seen. But the defense has kind of turned back around, and that's an important thing because Ozzy's an elite defensive second baseman generally. With Michael Harris, it's kind of the same thing. Michael started off the year injured. It's a second year, too, and I've said this a million times now. The sophomore slump is real. It almost doesn't matter. It does not matter who it is. Julio Rodriguez, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, uh, Jeremy Pena. doesn't matter. Second year is terrible for people. That's just you have to make your adjustments to the adjustments that everybody else is making and figure some things out. Uh, but Michael Harris is putting great swings on the ball over the past month, and he was kind of in that same boat. Worse off than that. Michael Harris, uh, uh, shocking as this is, at one point in the season was probably the worst hitter in Major League Baseball. Vaughn Grissom got sent down early, early this year, and that was because his defense was bad. Michael Harris's offense was every bit as bad as Marcelo Zuna's before Marcel's turnaround in the month of May. And it, I do find it... Good, and, and you can kind of directly point to Marcelo Zuna had a talk with Michael Harris and basically said, look, man, you're the best center fielder in baseball. It's time for you to play like it. And since then, he's been playing like the best center fielder in baseball. He's adding in some power. He had a five-for-five five day on Father's Day, including a three-run homer, and his dad threw out the first pitch. So uh, that's a pretty good day, even if we had to deal with the conversation of the Braves DFAing Charlie Culberson, who was scheduled to have his dad throw out the first pitch. A lot of people talking about how mean that was for the Braves and I'm going to answer that very quickly by saying this um, Sean Murphy was not available you don't carry one catcher on a roster unless you're an idiot uh, no matter how much you like Charlie Culberson and by the way he was never going to play so yeah give me a guy that's going to play sucks for Charlie but he understands the game he's a big boy his dad's a big boy uh, and I think it's cool that Michael Harris and his dad got to have that first pitch as well. Uh, Michael Harris being the young guy now and not necessarily the guy you're building around. That's Ronald, obviously. But Michael Harris is obviously looked at as being like the 1B to Ronald's 1A, potentially. That's why he got that deal in the first place. So good to see Michael Harris. He's played great defense as per usual. But now that he's getting on base again, one of the things that I really wanted to see from this Brave squad was to see how and see them be very aggressive on the base paths. We know we know about Ronald. We know how much Ronald can steal, and he's probably going to steal 60 bags this year. 
But Michael is another guy that if he's getting on base, he's a 30 to 40 stolen base threat. He's very fast. He's a really good base runner who gets good jumps and knows when to take them. The problem is you have to get on base in order to steal bases. And Michael's not a guy that's going to walk a ton. I think that'll get better as he gets a little bit older. But if he's able to get on base, that's another avenue of a guy that can get another 30, 40 steals. That's probably, if I'm looking at Ozzy, one of the things that I've been most disappointed in is I don't see him stealing bags. Now, again, part of it is because you have to get on base consistently in order to steal bags. But Ozzy's been getting on base. I believe he's got a OBP up over 320, which is not something that you typically see from Ozzy. If that's the case, man, you know I'd like to see Ozzy taken off and, and stealing bags. I know he's not as fast as he appears. A lot of the a lot of the idea of Ozzy being fast is because he's short and his legs move really quickly because uh, they're not covering a lot of ground. But he's a guy that tends to run base as well, and I think that he's you know a good 25, 30 stolen base guy anyway, and I'd, I'd like to see that. It was a couple years ago, sure, but in 2021 he did steal 20 bags, and that's something that I think that he should be able to do in the long run. Yeah, and the 322 OBP for Ozzy. I'd like to see him stealing more. There's no reason why Ozzy should only have three bags right now. He's too quick and too good of a base runner for that. Um, but overall, I mean, it's hard to pick anything apart with the Braves. I guess you could you could look at Charlie's last start, and that was not a good one, not what you were hoping to see. But for the Braves starting rotation, I mean, you've managed to, to be the second best record in baseball, and the starting rotation has been good at times and been kind of lackluster at times. You haven't really gotten what you thought you'd get out of Spencer. Haven't gotten what you were hoping to get out of Charlie at certain points of the season. Other points, Charlie's looked fantastic. But it's just kind of been a roller coaster with him. Uh, Bryce Elder has been incredible. But you've been rolling at any point this season. Half of half of like two of the five spots in your rotation have been Jared Schuster, A.J. Smith-Shaver, Dylan Dodd, Michael Soroka. Now, I love Soroka, and I want it to be Soroka again. But we're getting to the point where coming up in about a month, maybe maybe right after the All-Star break, the, the Braves are going to have to make a pretty big decision. Max Freed and Kyle Wright both have been cleared to throw. Now, Max has been throwing, just hasn't been pitching off of a mound. He's been kind of standing in front of a mound and tossing to the catcher, but not really getting into the pitching side. So I'd say he's probably got about a month before he's ready to go. He's got to build that arm strength back up. Kyle Wright, I would guess, probably about two months, which means with Max, you're looking in July. Kyle, you're probably looking in August, maybe towards the second half of August. But when that happens, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do. You're only allowed to carry 13 pitchers on a roster. Now, I don't know. Maybe this takes care of itself. A.J. Smith-Shaver has had two good starts, and the last start I felt was better than the first one. But he is coming up on his max innings that he's had in his career. And I don't think that the Braves are looking at him and thinking they're going to get 130 innings out of him like they got out of Spencer last year. That probably seems like a little much. Um, Jared Schuster, he's pitched pretty well. But it is kind of telling that in this series against Philadelphia, the Braves decided to skip Jared Schuster, not because of any injuries, not even because of rest, but because it's a bad matchup. We've talked about this before. If you're a guy that doesn't get swings and misses – you have to be very careful. The teams have to take that into account when they figure out their pitching rotations versus certain teams. The Phillies aren't a great team. They've been really good over their, over this month of June. They're 13-2 and two, uh, over their last 15. I didn't even see if they won yesterday. If they won yesterday, they didn't make that 14-2. and two. Um, Didn't gain any ground on the Braves because the Braves have also gone 13-2 and two in their last 15. But one thing they can do is they can hit bombs. Now, they'll strike out a lot. They'll swing and miss. They'll put bad swings on the ball, which is why if you've got a matchup like you do tonight where Spencer Strider's on the bump uh, and Ranger Suarez on the bump for the Phillies, it's potentially a very good matchup for Spencer. Spencer's dominated the Phillies over the course of his career outside of that one stupid 
gif of was it Alec Bohm or Reese Hoskins? Reese Hoskins hitting that homer off of him when he was throwing ninety three at that point. I got okay. It's a nice, it's a nice little gift. But look at the numbers, and Spencer's absolutely dominated Philadelphia more than he's dominated most every other team. I don't know what the plan is going to be for Schuster. I don't know what the plan is going to be for AJ Smith Schauer. But even without those two, at some point you're expecting Michael Soroka up. And when you factor in that Spencer has been kind of struggling a little bit this year, especially by his standards. It's been it's it's been over a month since he's gonna start without giving up a homer. And that's that's a long run for a guy last year who the craziest thing was that he did not allow home runs. Now, I've said this before on Twitter. I've said it before on, on air. I'll say it again here. I'm not that concerned with the home runs for Spencer. That's just like it was amazing that he wasn't giving them up. But that's kind of what comes with the territory when you're a power pitcher. When you throw the ball as hard as he does, and you throw as many fastballs as Spencer does. At some point, you're going to give up homers. It just happens. He's had a pretty precipitous drop in ground ball rate, which would also be a big reason why. But it just seems like he hasn't had his mojo. Tonight's a good opportunity for him to try to get some of that back. But also, going forward, I know the Braves don't really do this. They did this to end the season last year. But I do think this is an opportune time, an opportune season for them to, to really play with a six-man rotation. Now, I, I Personally, I probably wouldn't even wait until Soroka or not Soroka, but when Freed and Wright get back, as soon as Freed's ready to go, I'd probably roll the six-man. I could be convinced they're rolling out a six-man right now. The only issue there is going to be you have to figure out who from the bullpen you're dropping to. Because, again, you can only have 13 pitchers. Jesse Chavez being on the IL, when he comes back, you're already going to have a tough decision in your bullpen. I don't think you want Ben Heller to go anywhere. He's been an incredible story. Through three innings, he has eight strikeouts and no runs left. He's had nine outs. Eight of them have been by strikeout. His stuff has looked incredible, and he's a great story. Michael Tonkin's out of options, and Tonkin's done good work for you. Personally, if you're talking about who goes down when it's Jesse, I'd probably DFA Tonkin first. And that's nothing against Michael Tonkin, but I, I don't think you're DFAing Joe Jimenez because somebody's going to pick him up. I don't think you're DFAing Kirby Yates. He's been he hasn't been incredible, but he's been pretty decent. He's been he's been better than you would think. Uh walks can be an issue, but but he's striking out tons of guys and, and he looks better than he has than he did earlier this season. Obviously, you're not sending down A.J. Minter. You have an option with Nick Anderson, but he's been the guy that Snit has trusted most in the setup role. I don't think you're sending him down. You still got to figure out what you're going to do when Dylan Lee comes back from injury. That might be about a month away, so maybe it'll clear things out. But the Braves are going to be in a big-time crunch. and that, that comes with the territory of being one of the best rosters. It's going to be tough. The Braves are going to end up losing somebody that you really like. But that's the breaks. That's what happens. And if you're wanting to roll a six-man rotation, that's another area that you're going to have to figure out. If, if the Braves weren't going to run a six-man, that would probably be the reason why, in my mind, is just because they can't figure out who they want to DFA. They don't have guys in the bullpen with options right now. I believe everybody, with the exception of Nick Anderson, I think is a is a case of somebody who's out of options, uh, and, and you'd have to DFA. And There's not a lot of guys in this bullpen that I would trust to DFA and think that they'd actually get through waivers. There's enough teams that are right on the bubble of contention that need bullpen help, and I'd look at a team like the Rangers. If the Braves DFA anybody, I think Texas is probably going to take them without without question, without really even hesitation. That's the thing that you have to consider. It's a thing that really good teams have to consider a lot is how do you kind of set all that up? How do you how do you figure out who goes where? How do you figure out you know what's going to be the best strategy? The good thing if you have a six man rotation is 
if you get to a point where your bullpen is kind of stuck for a bit, you can use one of those guys out of the pen. You could use A.J. Smith-Shaver, and if you don't want to send him down, Smith-Shaver, you could get him some work in the bullpen as a way to kind of limit his innings and, and things of that nature, and I think that can work. You could do that with Soroka. You could do that with, with whoever, although I would say Smith-Shaver probably fits that bill the best. You're certainly not going to mess with what Bryce Elder's got going on, but the Braves have a rotation that I think could benefit from that in the long run because with Max and Kyle coming back, it'll be those two coming back from injury. You're not going to want to go too crazy on them, but with Spencer, with Bryce, with Schuster, with Smith-Shaver, with Soroka, those are guys that are young. Those are guys that are young or, you know, building strength back up this season and coming back from long-term injury in the case of Soroka. Those are guys that could use rest, that could use scheduled days. And going to a six-man, just like the Angels have done, it's something that would allow you to get rest days in there without anybody feeling like a start is being skipped and ha- having anything to do with the mental aspect. Everybody gets the pitch on five days rest. For a guy like Charlie, that's got to be a nice bonus as well. Charlie's 39 years old. If you can work in a day or two off or give him an extra day to prepare, that should be good. And by the time you get to the end of the season, sure, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put a damper on Spencer's numbers, which I don't want to see. I want to see him get 300 strikeouts. But all told, I want to see the team win. If that's the best method, by the time you get to the postseason, you're not going to run six-man rotations in the postseason, so it doesn't matter. But what it does do is it allows everybody to get their arm rested, stay in in decent shape, and not get worn down, so by the time you do get to October, you're pretty well set up. And if you're trying to keep everybody healthy, it seems like a pretty good solution to me. I don't think the lineup needs any issues. I love the fact that Snit put Olsen at fifth. I think that fits his spot better. I like Ozzy at two as long as he's going to hit the way that he's hitting. I, I like everything. I know we're not. I know we're supposed to pretend like there's not a big reason for for technical difficulties. I mean, I know. I know it's it's. We're supposed to say lineup construction doesn't really matter and it doesn't affect many things, but I I just don't find that to be true. Like, I think one of the things that works so well with the Braves having Ronald at leadoff is because it's impossible to pitch around him. If he's bad in leadoff, you kind of have to go that route. I, I like that a lot. I think that, that works. You're kind of guaranteeing him at least one at bat where he gets pitches to hit. Otherwise, you're kind of seeing what, what teams are going to do. They're going to force Ronald to stay within his own game plan this year and stick around and actually prove that he's going to be patient. You saw some frustration in this Colorado series from Ronald Acuna. He doesn't want to take a bunch of walks. He wants to be hitting. He wants to be doing his thing. And if, if he's having to take walks all the time, he's not going to be doing his thing. That's something that that if he's able to stick with that, it works, and that's the best method. But I think having him at leadoff is a nice way to ensure that he gets at least one good at-bat for, for pitches to hit. And the way you've got it set up now, if you've got Ozzy at second, that's a nice way to, to get somebody that can drive Ronald in all the time. Uh, it breaks up the Olsen and Riley situation, which is good because Riley has been the league leader in, in double plays grounded into this season. And Olsen obviously is the slowest member on the team. So if you put a faster runner there, that might help Austin not roll into so many double plays. And Olsen in fifth, I mean, that's fine too. The way this Braves offense goes, it's still likely he's going to get at-bats in the first inning. And as a guy who drives in tons of runs, I don't think it matters for Olsen batting two or batting five. I think a lot of Olsen batting two was really because that's where Freddie was hitting. And, you know, Olsen replaced Freddie, so we'll just put him right into Freddie's spot. I don't think that was doing Olsen a ton of favors. He's responded really well to the fifth spot early on. We'll see how that continues. But overall, I think everything's going well with this Braves team. I don't really have any issues. Obviously, with them playing the way that they're playing, there's nothing to really pick apart. I'm interested to see how it continues, how they keep rolling with it. We'll see. 
as uh, as we keep going closer and closer to the All-Star break. As it stands now, though, I don't really see much needs. I don't think the Braves are going to be big players at the All-Star break. I certainly I, I would have thought they'd look at bullpen work, but with the roster crunch they're going to be in already, I don't necessarily think they're really going to be players at all. Maybe if something... Maybe if something really presents itself that just knocks it out of the park for them, maybe, maybe. But there's enough teams in contention that I don't think there's going to be a lot of sellers. And I, I just, I, I, maybe that maybe they get a, a really uh, a good opportunity to get somebody like Alex Lang from from Detroit. Maybe, maybe it's something like that. But I don't, I don't necessarily see them being big players in the starting pitching market. Or the, or the reliever market. And I don't see a position on the field that they look at and think that they need to upgrade. Every time I think that they need to look at replacing Eddie Rosario, he goes out and he does what he's been doing lately. I think the Braves are in a great spot. It's going to be boring. I think it's going to be a boring deadline. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes, you know, when you're a really good team, you don't have a lot of holes to fill. It can be, you know, for, for somebody that likes trades and for the people that like the fantasy aspect of it and like to try to play GM, it can be boring. But when you're the best roster in baseball, sometimes, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Speaking of which, I'm way over my time for today. Uh, sorry if there's a few technical issues here. Don't really know what's going on today. It's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a struggle getting this one recorded, but we'll get this one up for you. That's going to do it for me here today. I'm going to try to be back on Thursday as long as everything uh, allows me to do so. Uh, I will be on air on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. So it's going to be a busy week. The Braves will get started tonight, 6:40. I believe is the first pitch scheduled Spencer Strider and Ranger Suarez. And one thing I want to say on Spencer before I go, this will be the final point here. I really would like to see Spencer switch up his sequencing. I'd like to see him use his changeup earlier in the game. If you look at Spencer and you look at what he's been doing, he's got better. His best numbers are the third time through the order, which is, I don't think it's a coincidence. That's when he starts working in the changeup. I'd like to see him work that changeup in earlier Work that in the first and second inning just just to make hitters aware of it so they can't sit on a particular pitch. I think Spencer's going to right the ship. I think tonight's a good opportunity for him to do so. Uh, it's, it's a tough lineup to, to do that with, but Spencer's had good success. If he can have the command, and that's been the thing, if he can have the command in there tonight, I think it can be a good opportunity for this Braves offense. You get a lefty in a very big hitter's ball, in a really nice hitter's ballpark. Let's see what they can do and. uh continue to score a bunch of runs for Spencer and see how the Braves can keep it going. And uh, let's push the, let's push the Phillies back another game uh, and really break their spirit as well. But that's going to do it for me. We'll be back at another time here. Thanks for tuning in to the six, four, three podcast. That's all, folks. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words. It's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. 
The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.